Father, we thank you for your love. We thank you for your life. We thank you for your grace, Lord, that you have given freely to us a grace that saves us, a grace that preserves us, and a grace that empowers us to be your children in this life. We thank you, Father, for the Holy Spirit, who's the great teacher. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would be not quenched or grieved, but that you would freely flow in this place tonight as we partner with you, Lord Jesus, to see your kingdom come and your will be done on earth tonight in Duran, Oklahoma, as it is in your heaven. If you can say amen, say amen. 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 Praise God. I want to read to you tonight. I went back and forth several times on what I was actually going to to share, which is not uh, abnormal for me. Uh, To tell you the truth, it's very seldom that I know exactly what I'm going to share until I actually get up to do it. Uh, And that's just kind of the way that God and I work together. And I'm sure the problem is on my end. I used to think that maybe it was God that wasn't getting me the message early. But can I just be honest with you that um, even, even pastors sometimes get distracted and busy and we're not as attentive as we should be and we have to play catch up and all those kinds of things and uh, I, I promise you I don't walk on water every single day and uh, I don't just float around my office you know speaking in tongues you know for 18 hours a day and that'd be cool I'd like to float at least once that'd be awesome uh, I might need to lose some weight before I'm able to do that, but uh, I don't know if that matters or not when you start floating around. But uh, the, the thing I want to tell you is, is that I feel like um, in, in, uh, earlier today in some of my prayer and in my preparation, I felt the Lord draw me to, uh, to Romans chapter 8, one of my favorite chapters in the Bible, by the way. Really good stuff. A lot of stuff that's fridge-worthy. You know what I'm talking about? You go to people's houses and they have certain passages on their refrigerator. And it's always the good ones, right? Yeah, so I've never seen on anybody's refrigerator when Jesus, when he said, in this life you will have persecution and trial. That's never on anybody's refrigerator. Uh, But we like to put the good things on our refrigerator. But here's the thing. The Bible doesn't just talk about the good things. The Bible talks about the hard things. And we have to be prepared to mature in our faith and enter into those hard things that the scriptures want to speak to us about. And I believe the hard things that the scriptures want to speak to us in as we're walking through in in the middle of. And uh, I had something uh, come back up into my heart. And uh, like I said, this is totally different than the direction that I thought I was going to go. But I I had some, uh, some inspiration about a week or so ago. And the Lord started talking to me um, about just walking through hard times. And, uh, and, and I wrote a couple, uh, maybe like a paragraph on it that I'll read to you here in a second. But what I want to do first is I want to actually read uh, a little bit of a lengthy portion of, of Scripture. Are you guys okay if we read some Scriptures together tonight? Okay. I know that uh, you're doing this all the time in your personal time, uh, reading the Bible. But I, I do think it's okay to read the Bible together in church as well, right? Good. All right. Awesome. So we're going to be in Romans chapter 8. And um, where I'm going is Romans 8, 28, which many of you know. And uh, the reason I can't just start there is because it starts with and. Anything that starts with and means that there's some other stuff that we should read before, before we just read that piece. But you know Romans 8, 28. And all things work together for good to those that love God and are called according to his 
purpose, okay? So that's where we're going. So just know that's where we're going. Hey, Jesse, is that you? How are you, my friend? It's good to see you tonight. I'm my heart happy to see you. Glad you're here. Uh, the future glory. I'm reading out of the New Living Translation here in verse 18. So Romans 8, 18. Let's read together, shall we? And uh, at, when I get done reading this, uh, you're, you're going to know something I'm going to say that I just can't get out of the habit. Anytime I read Scripture publicly, when I'm done reading it, I always say, this is the word of the Lord. Praise be to God. All right? And that's because uh, I come out of the Methodist church and it just, I, there's just a lot of it that's still in me sometimes. And that just feels right. If I read Scripture publicly, especially this long, this is a true reading of Scripture because we're going to read a few verses here. So when I say that at the end, just love me through it, okay? All right, Romans eight eighteen, New Living Translation. Yet what we suffer now is nothing compared to the glory He will reveal to us later. Is everybody aware this evening that life is sometimes filled with suffering. Okay. Is, is anybody aware that the world is filled with suffering? Okay. Has anybody ever suffered in their life before? Okay. Has anybody suffered as a direct result of following Jesus? Okay. Now we have different levels of suffering around the world. And if we're looking at this context and in this time, Paul's literally talking to a group of people that have their lives on the line every day in connection to following Jesus. And there's varying degrees of suffering. But how many of you, in a, uh, because you've made a decision to follow Jesus, might have experienced some rejection from your family or some rejection from people at work? At least you've been following Jesus long enough now that people have said bad things about you, at least on Facebook, right? Okay, praise God. So I've got everybody now. Whether your life's been actually threatened for Jesus or you've just gotten slammed on Facebook, we can all say that at some level... The Christian life has led us into a place of suffering. Is everybody okay? All right, good. Yet what we suffer now, Paul writing here, it now is nothing compared to the glory he will reveal to us later. For all creation is waiting eagerly for that future day when God will reveal who his children really are. Against its will, all creation was subjected to God's curse. But with eager hope... The creation looks forward to the day when it will join God's children in glorious freedom from death and decay. For we know that all creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. And we believers also groan, even though we have the Holy Spirit within us as a foretaste of future glory. For we long for our bodies to be released from sin and suffering. We too wait with eager hope for the day when God will give us our full rights as his adopted children, including the new bodies he has promised us. We were given this hope when we were saved. If we already have something, we don't need to hope for it. But if we look forward to something we don't yet have, we must patiently, we must wait patiently and confidently. And the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. How many of you in the midst of suffering at some point in your life or in the midst of a current trial or suffering right now have experienced in fullness what it means to be weak? Anybody recently been reminded of your weakness? <laughs> and I get reminded of that every day, right? You probably do too, of our weakness. For example, this is what he says, and the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. Aren't you glad that we're not alone in the middle of our weaknesses, in the middle of our suffering. Thank God for the Holy Spirit. For example, 
We don't know what God wants us to pray for. Man, I know people that come to me and they say, well, Pastor, you know, you're talking about growing in your devotional life. You're talking about growing in a place of prayer and being in a time of prayer each day. I just don't know what to pray for. And when I talk to folks, they act like there's something wrong with them because they don't know what to pray for. The scripture just said right here that often we don't know what to pray for. So if you don't know what to pray for, it's okay. The Bible says it'll probably happen. Okay? We don't know what to pray for, but the Holy Spirit prays for us. Man, how many of you believe you have the Holy Spirit on the inside of you? How many of you know whenever you don't know what to pray, it doesn't stop the Holy Spirit from praying on the inside of you? That's a beautiful thing. The Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. And the Father who knows all hearts knows what the Spirit is saying. For the Spirit pleads for us believers in harmony with God's own will. And this is powerful stuff. And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to His purpose for them. For God knew His people in advance and He chose them to become like His Son so that His Son would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And having chosen them, He called them to come to him. And having called them, he gave them right standing with himself. And having given them right standing, he gave them his glory. This is the word of the Lord. Praise be to God. I'm here to tell you tonight that if you're walking through difficulty, if you're walking through trial, if you're walking through temptation, if you're walking through any degree of suffering, I'm here to tell you a few things. The first thing is this, that the suffering that you're going through all right, might be consistent. It might be something that you're facing every single day. It might be something that you just never seem to get a break from. But I'm here to encourage you today that the suffering that's trying its best to work on you is no match for the faithfulness of the Holy Spirit at work on the inside of you. I'm here to tell you that in the middle of the daily struggle, in the middle of the daily, true, throbbing reality of how weak and frail we are in this human condition, there is a God at work on the inside of you, supplying you with strength, joy, wisdom, power, and on and on the list goes. And it's important for us to come to this place of realizing by faith that on our worst day, God is never discouraged from doing his best in your life. And in the middle of your greatest moment of weakness is really the place where God's strength is able to be maximized the most. That's why Paul says, I would much rather boast in my weaknesses because where I'm weak, there he is strong. When you're walking through trial and storm, and that's kind of a a catch-all phrase that we use in the Christian world, especially in the charismatic community. We're facing a storm. We're facing a challenge. We're facing a struggle. I'm here to tell you again, and I'm telling you again because I believe somebody needs to hear it tonight, is that no matter how consistent the suffering is that you're facing, no matter how consistent and in your face is the reality of your weakness, it's no match for the faithfulness of the work of the Holy Spirit on the inside of your life. And I believe that we need to be encouraged by that tonight. I believe that that's something that the Lord wants to make sure that we are allowing ourselves from our heart to say yes to. So why don't we practice that? Everybody in the room just say yes. Yes. Okay, very good. 
And I believe uh, Romans 8, 28, that tells us that in the midst of all things, and I love this verse because it doesn't say that God causes everything. Just the same way that the scripture tells us that we need to be thankful in all things, it doesn't tell us that we need to be thankful for all things. Because how many of you figured out by now going to this amazing church and sitting under such great uh, teaching? I'm not talking about myself, but I'm talking about Pastor Dwayne. How many of you believe that we're sitting under one of the greatest teaching gifts in the world? I believe that about our pastor. And if you've gone here for any significant amount of time, I know and believe that you've at least been presented the idea that God is good and the devil is bad. And, 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 and do you know that there's biblical grounds for that? <laughs> Do you know that whenever, and a lot of people try to use the story of Job, and I also like to use the story of Job, because the story of Job, for me, doesn't justify people saying that God is putting plague, calamity, and destruction on them. The story of Job clearly delineates that it was the devil that brought plague and distraction, suffering and calamity on Job. Here's the thing, the same way that we're not supposed to be thankful for everything, because I don't tell thank you to the devil, because I don't appreciate any of the things that he's doing, but I'm supposed to be thankful to God, not for everything, but in everything. And I can be thankful to God in everything, including my present suffering, including my present trial, including this throbbing reality of how weak I am after the flesh, because I can be thankful that whether I know it up here or I even believe it in here, or regardless of whether or not I feel it, this scripture just told me that the Holy Spirit is doing a particular kind of work on the inside of me, and the type of work that he's doing on the inside of me is praying in faith to a God that's able to sustain me in the midst of that storm. The kind of work that God's doing on the inside of me does not pause. The Spirit doesn't sleep. The Spirit doesn't grow, uh, the Spirit doesn't grow tired. The Holy Spirit on the inside of you is the very life force of God himself working even in the middle of the times and seasons when you don't believe that he is at all. Your belief in God working in you doesn't make him start working in you. God's working in you as a part of the free gift of salvation and that grace that's working on the inside of you, referring back to a couple Sundays ago with what Pastor Duane shared, that God is working in you and it's your job to now allow that work in you for you to work that out of you into your daily choices and practices and interactions with the people that you meet day in and day out. There's a beautiful thing that we see akin to another statement of Paul's, which is what I just said. We're not supposed to be thankful for everything. We're supposed to be thankful to God in everything. And I believe the thing we're thankful for is that God's with us and he's working in us in the midst of everything, in the midst of every situation, good, bad, and ugly. Amen? Okay, good, bad, and ugly. So here's the thing that you need to know. Is it the same way that we're supposed to be thankful in everything, not for everything? Romans 8, 28 tells us that God is causing all things to work together for good to those that love him and are called according to his purpose. It didn't say that God is causing everything the same way that we're not supposed to be thankful for everything. But it does say that God is working in the middle of everything. And how many things is everything? All of it. Everything. God is working in the middle of everything in our lives for the good of those that love him and are called according to his purpose. And he goes on at the tail end of the passage that I just read to qualify what the purpose is. The purpose is 
the work of the Holy Spirit, but connected to this developing and growing in the image of Christ. God's purpose for your life is for you to be a container and now to be conformed to the image of what you contain, which is the person of Jesus, which I made a case for last Wednesday. And I love that uh, Pastor Jacob and I didn't talk, but I love how what I shared on Wednesday connected with what he talked about. It's like we all listen to the Holy Spirit or something before we get up here to talk. It's so cool. It's so cool. And, and how he that's joined to the Lord is one spirit with the Lord. And this one spirit that's on the inside of me and my spirit is now being worked out day in and day out through my soul, which is Romans 12, the renewing of my mind. The work that God's already done in my spirit, now when I partner with that, now when I'm thankful for God for that, thankful to God for that, and now when I allow that to have impact on my decision-making, which last week on Wednesday I talked about how everything changes when we allow ourselves to be consciously aware minute by minute of our union with Christ. You know, if you allow yourself minute by minute to be consciously aware of your union with Christ, that'll rewire some things in your brain. And that'll rewire your perceptions and how you perceive will ultimately determine the quality of your reality. Your perceptions determine the quality of your reality. So I believe that God's doing this work on the inside of us in the midst of every season and situation in our lives. We need to be thankful for it. We need to believe it. But here's the thing also that we need to do is we need to learn how to see it from the right perspective. God doesn't cause everything, but God is working in the middle of everything. My good. He's working on behalf of my good, bringing good into my life because I love him and because I'm called according to his purpose. How do I know I'm called according to his purpose? I can tell you very clearly. God says in this passage through Paul that he knew the people that were going to call him, and that's connected to his will. How many of you know that his will and his purpose are the same thing? And if his will and his purpose is for you to grow in your Christ-likeness, and this passage told us that those that God knew, he predestined to be conformed into the image of his son, God's purpose is connected to you whenever you make a decision to receive salvation. When you make a decision to receive Jesus, that's how you know that you're called according to the purposes of God because the scripture says that no one can come unless they're first called. Called to, called by the Father. Us getting saved is us responding to the call of the Lord in our lives. Those who he called, he also predestined to be conformed into the image of his son. How many of you love God? How many of you believe that you're called according to his purpose because you made a decision to follow Jesus? So the promise of those two things is this, that no matter what you're going through in your life, whether you feel it, whether you see it, God's working every situation for your good. Isn't that great to know? Isn't that great to believe? All right. It's a good truth. It's a good truth that I can get excited about. And I, and I, want, to, uh, I want to read this to you now. Something that, uh, that the Lord put on my heart in regards to God taking, especially, I believe, the difficult things of our lives and using those raw materials, if you will, to produce great and wonderful realities that he wants us to, to be partakers of. I gave you the promise of Romans eight twenty eight. God's causing all things to work together for good to those that love him and are called according to his purpose. I saw a lot of hands go up here in the room tonight saying that you love God and that because of your decision to follow Jesus, you're now called according to his purpose. But we have to consciously become aware of that and believe that 
and trust that, just like I was talking about last week we have to do in regards to us becoming consciously aware of our union with Christ and how that starts to change and shift our realities. When we believe that we're united with Jesus, we can believe now that we love God and we're called according to his purpose even on the days that we don't act like it. Because if you no longer live, but it's Christ that's living on the inside of you, do you think that Jesus ever has any trouble loving God? No. Do you think Jesus ever wonders whether or not he's called according to God's purpose? No. So the beautiful thing of it is, because you have a new nature, a new nature in Christ and of Christ, even on the days when you don't act like it, the same way when you don't know what to pray, the Spirit's doing a work in you anyway, there's a work that Jesus is doing on the inside of you, which is called, which is called constantly presenting you righteous and holy before God. So even on the days that you're not consciously aware of your love for God and you're not consciously aware that you're called according to his purpose, the beautiful thing about grace and the beautiful thing about salvation is that you have the ability to rest on the inside of you and know and realize that Christ on the inside of you can perfectly love God and is perfectly called according to his purpose. And when you make a decision to become aware that you're one with him, you get in on that same thing, that you love God and that you're called according to his purpose by nature. The beautiful thing that happens now is when you believe that Christ is already doing that work on the inside of you, your part is simply to receive that and to believe that or to trust that. Sometimes, for us, the breakdown simply lies in our ability to really trust and believe that God is as good as he says he is. Sometimes, for us, the real breakdown in our life is really to believe and to trust that the Holy Spirit is really working on the inside of me in spite of me. Sometimes the thing that's really hard for us to do is to let go of self-trust and learn how through the art of surrender, like we sang about, to trust the perfect work of God in our life and to partner with that, to align ourselves to that. Is this making sense? Okay. So I want to talk to you about trust, and I specifically want to talk to you about trust in the context of whenever you're walking through a storm or you're walking through some suffering. Anybody want to be honest and vulnerable in the house and say, I'm walking through a little bit of a storm. I'm walking through a little bit of suffering, maybe in your body, in, in a diagnosis, or maybe in a relationship, in your marriage, maybe in something in the workplace, or maybe just even in your connectivity with the Lord. You feel like you're going through a difficult season. So now let's see if the honesty spirit has hit everybody. How many of you want to say that maybe you're walking through something a little bit difficult right now? Look at this, revival breaking out about half as more, there's like 50% more hands than there were the first time. That's awesome. Thank you for being honest and sharing your heart. This is what God put on my heart that I wanted to share with you. Trust in God that we sow in the midst of turbulent times yields a peace that has the ability to calm storms. Now, calming the storm looks more like sitting on the porch enjoying the rain than it does making the rain stop altogether. It's all about shifting the, the already present natural elements from a chaotic state to a calm one. To God, calming storms isn't a disappearing act. It's a re-engineering act. The creator loves to create from the raw materials available to him because it redefines what we as human beings classify as possible. It's not a far enough stretch of our imagination to believe God can make a storm vanish, but it is beyond our instinctual 
human faculties to believe that he can take the raw material of trauma, sin, despair, pain, loss, and make something beautifully desirable out of it. This is the gospel. This is the power of the cross. What was once seen as the ugliest symbol of human cruelty and brokenness is now a universal symbol of love and wholeness. The cross that people wanted to have far out of sight has now become something people wear around their necks. This type of transformation is simply the result of God releasing himself, whether by touching, speaking, etc., onto a person or into a situation. God and Christ touched the human being, and Christ on the cross touched the world. The touch of God leaves a residue that can't be removed. It's not to say that the cross doesn't still symbolize the epitome of human cruelty any longer. It does. But it has now been overshadowed by something else. In the same way, it's not possible to say that any of our lives are or will be totally free of storms, hurts, or pains in this life. But what we can say is that God has his hand on us. And that is all we need to experience the impossible. I'm here to encourage you tonight that the creator of the universe is not intimidated of your mess. And I'm here to tell you tonight that the creator of the universe is not intimidated with the test that you're currently facing. Because in truth, to get a little bit uh, cheesy here with some pastoral uh, alliteration, you can't have a message without a mess. And you can't have a testimony without a test. God is able to take the raw material. And how many of you know that loss and sorrow are very raw? How many of you know that the pain of betrayal is very raw? How many of you know that, the, that depression is a very raw material? How many of you know that true hopelessness is an extremely raw material? But here's the beautiful thing about it. The same way that Jesus was able to take the raw materials of lepers and turn them into whole individuals, and the same way that Jesus was able to take the raw material of the cross, like what I just read to you, and transform it into a place where what was once identified as just brokenness into a universal symbol of love and wholeness. I'm here to tell you that there's no raw material in your life right now that God's touch and you surrendering to his touch, you partnering with him in that place of pain, you allowing him to touch the area that hurts you the most, you allowing him to touch the area that scares you the most, you allowing him to speak the thing that you are only 50% sure that you really want to hear. You allowing him and surrendering to the fact that he's working in your life, whether you're conscious of it or not. But here's the thing. I don't believe that God stops working in our life, whether or not we believe it. But I do know this. We do hurt our ability to reap the full benefit of his work in our life whenever we allow ourselves to not trust what he is doing. We allow ourselves to not connect in that place with the Lord. I'm going to tell you that there's no raw material in your life right now. There's no moral failure in your life right now. 
There's not a thing that you've swept under the rug that nobody knows about right now that God's not able to take and transform into something beautifully desirable. He didn't cause the pain. He didn't cause the mistake. He's not the one that put it on you to develop character. But God is the creator of the universe. If God was able to take something that was formless and void, that's what the book of Genesis says in regards to this current creation, this plant that we see, that in the beginning, that the earth was formless and void. There might be areas of your life right now that are so raw that it just seems like a huge void and it seems formless. Darkness is covering the face of the deep. But here's the beautiful thing that it says in Genesis that the Spirit of God hovered over the darkness, hovered over the face of the deep, hovered over the waters. There might be chaotic, turbulent, raw storms in area of your life. And I believe that there's a Holy Spirit that's hovering over those places in your life. There's a Holy Spirit that's at work. But here's the thing. The Holy Spirit did not go into work until God said by his word, let there be light. There's an alignment that has to happen in your life. There's a Holy Spirit that's working on the inside of you, whether you're aware of it or not. But there's an alignment that has to happen in your life to the word of God. And the word of God is in part this book that I read from. But the word of God also is the living representation of the word, which is the person of Jesus Christ. Allowing yourself to intentionally connect to the work of Jesus. Allowing yourself to intentionally say amen, which means let it be so. Allowing yourself to intentionally connect with the Holy Spirit that's hovering over those areas of your life, working in ways that you can't imagine, but to intentionally partner with that thing, to intentionally say, God, let there be light in this area of my life. I believe that you're hovering. I believe that, that the potency of the Holy Spirit is maximized in this particular area. But I need to surrender. I need to align myself to your word and to your will and say the work that I know that you're doing behind the scenes that I can't see, I surrender to that work and I say, let that now come into my reality. And we do that by aligning ourselves to God's word, which ultimately is the person revealed to us in Jesus it's believing that the same way that Jesus was able to touch the hard wood of that cross and transform it into something now that's beautifully desirable. It would have been, if we could go back in time to, the, to when where the Romans were crucifying people and if we could take some of our very uh, luxurious cross necklaces and wear them around in that day and age, you would get a lot of disturbed looks. Why are you wearing that around your neck? Something that is not Desirable. Are you following me? I believe that the worst, most painful areas of your life, once the word of God, who is Jesus, touches it, once you allow yourself to take whatever cross you're currently experiencing and allow the Lord to meet you in that place, I believe that the capacity for that raw material to totally be transformed into something beautiful, desi beautifully desirable, rests just on the other side of your trust and willingness. Just on the other side of you being able to say, God, 
I believe that you're able to take this level of brokenness in my life and work it together for my good. I believe that you're already working in the midst of it. I believe, Holy Spirit, that you're already praying and you're pleading on my behalf on the inside of me directly to to the Father. I choose to put myself into alignment not to the hands of the enemy that are orchestrating evil in my life and to be impressed by what the devil's doing. But in this moment, I choose now to become resolute and impressed and worship a God that's able to take the storms that I'm currently experiencing, take the wind and the rains and, 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 and all the destruction and move that into a place that's able for me to sit on my front porch and enjoy the calm evening rain. I believe, God, that once your hands touch that area of my life, once I allowed myself to come into alignment to what you say, once I allow myself to align myself with the words of Jesus that say, let there be, your kingdom come, your will be done, there's no amount of pain, there's no amount of loss, there's no amount of brokenness that you're not able to transform totally. But I believe that what God's desiring of us tonight in order to engage in that in a more full in a more deep way, is we have to be able to allow ourselves to sow something that's very difficult to sow in the midst of destruction in our lives. Whenever you're still reeling from the pain of a broken marriage, it's very hard for you to sow trust in a God that's good. Because what we do is, is we allow ourselves to start asking all the why questions, don't we? And we love, and I love what... uh, Pastor Lee has taught me, and he says this, it's only in Christianity that we allow what we don't know to totally tear apart the things that we do know. Only allow, only allow the things that we don't know now to influence the things that we do know. And I'm here to tell you that there's nobody here that's probably going to be able to give you an answer as to why some major painful event has happened in your life. I believe that we could do our best to kind of drop some type of an answer that might try to put a Band-Aid over a gunshot wound or something to just try to minimize a little bit of the pain. But here's the thing that I want to tell you, especially if you come and you ask me, because I've been in this spot before. People have asked me, why did this happen? Why did this loved one die? Why did my relationship end? Why was I abused? Where was God in the midst of this? And I'm here to tell you this. If you've made a decision to follow Jesus, I can't tell you why some of the things that have happened to you have happened to you. But what I can tell you is what God is up to in the middle of it. And what I can tell you is I can tell you exactly where Jesus is in the middle of that. And it's clear. You might be here with a broken heart tonight. You might be here literally with a crushed spirit I can tell you by the word of God. And this is why it's important for us to get into alignment to Christ and in alignment to his written word because the Psalms tell us that Jesus, that God is near to the brokenhearted and he saves the crushed in spirit. If you're dealing with a broken heart, it's because you've experienced suffering. And if you're dealing with a crushed spirit, it's because you've just recently gone through a severe storm. And I'm here to tell you if your question is, why did this happen? I might not know the answer to that. I'm probably gonna guarantee I don't know the answer to that. But what I do know is where Jesus currently is. If you're brokenhearted tonight, the scripture says, and once I get into alignment to God's word, like let there be light, and then the spirit goes into action. God's word and his spirit work in tandem with each other. I might have this thing in my life that's formless and void, like the beginning of creation, no form to it, no substance, chaos in that particular area of my life. 
The Hebrew for formless and void during that time is the Hebrew phrase tohu bohu. It means just absolute chaos and disruption. Nothing in order. Void. No sense of order. No sense of structure. You might feel like that in the middle of your life. You say, why is this happening? Why is this going on? I don't know the answer to that. But what I do know is, if you're brokenhearted tonight, the Lord is near to you. Hovering over the surface of the deep, hovering over that particular area of your life. And when you make a decision to release the word of God, to come into alignment with the word of God and say, I believe, Jesus, that you're near to me because I'm brokenhearted. If I'm brokenhearted, I qualify for you to be the closest to me. And I believe that I'm crushed in spirit, but that you will save me, that you will overtake me. The same way that we allow ourselves to get into alignment with that word and we speak forth that word. We get the exact same thing in the spirit that happens like whenever God said, let there be light, and there was light. When we make a decision to say, I'm brokenhearted, but I believe, Jesus, that you're near to the brokenhearted, this amazing thing starts to happen. The warmth of God begins to fill our heart. The peace of God that surpasses all understanding. I've talked to people that are strong believers that have walked through the most difficult seasons a loss of a loved one, an ending of a marriage, whatever it might be. And I've talked with people that, that just know Jesus and have walked with the Lord. And it's been the most puzzling thing and beautiful thing at the same time. And you know people, you've been around them before, but people that have walked through some very hard things. And even in the middle of it, it doesn't mean they didn't have times where they got alone and they wept and they got out that grief. But have you ever experienced this for yourself or have you been around people that have inspired you? in the middle of some of the greatest human sufferings that people could walk through. And whenever you look at them, they seem like they're in a more calm place than you've been when things have been going right. There's a peace that surpasses understanding. Why? Is that something that they're naturally producing? No, it's because they've made a decision to know that they're being held by the Prince of Peace. He's the only one that can put that kind of peace into your life. They've made a decision to believe that, yes, there's this current cross that I'm facing, but there's something that's overshadowing it. And because God has his hand on me, that's the only thing that qualifies me to see the impossible come to pass in my life. Not my performance. Not my ability to earn and to deserve it, but to believe and receive the hand of the Lord touching that area of my life means that even the most impossible situation is able to be beautifully woven and worked together in my life. Even the worst mess I could possibly find myself in once the creator God gets a hold of that thing and once I bring myself in alignment to his word and I say, let there be light. Your kingdom come, your will be done. You're near to the brokenhearted and you save the crushed in spirit. There's something that's released like that light on the first day of creation that reorients me to the plan and purposes of God in the same way that this uncreated, tohu bohu, chaotic existence of a planet was immediately brought into order. The same way that God was able to take those raw materials as raw as they were and bring something beautiful out of it. I'm here to tell you, and I believe tonight, that even your worst mess that you might be in the middle of, I believe that God has the ability, the capacity, and the faithfulness to craft that into a most beautiful message of his glory, his grace, and his love. The question is, are we going to come into alignment with what God says in the midst of that situation. You've already got the Holy Spirit at work on the inside of you. You already have the Holy Spirit praying on the inside of you in the middle of your weakness when you don't know what to pray. 
God's not even necessarily asking you to muster up some some, uh, charismatic vibrato prayer in the middle of your greatest suffering. All he's asking you to do is to come into alignment with his word that looks like, trust God, I don't understand this. But I'm not going to allow what I don't know to change what I do know. You're still good. You're still faithful. You're still worthy of worship. You're still worthy of praise. And like Job said, even if he were to slay me, still I will worship him. Job had no concept of a devil. He had no no concept of what was coming against him. In his mind, all of his friends were telling him, God's doing this to you. God's putting this on you. And he finally got to such a place of despair and broken and hopelessness, not knowing why all these terrible things had happened to him. They just made this one proclamation. Okay, guys, my friends, and Job had some real terrible friends. Hopefully he gets some better friends than Job. But Job said, okay, guys, if this really is God, here's the thing I need to know. If he's going to kill me next, yet I'm still going to worship him. That's what it looks like to be in alignment to God's word. That no matter what comes next, no matter what wind blows, no matter what pain I might walk through, I make a decision to know that God said he's near to the brokenhearted. He saves the crushed in spirit. I make a decision to align myself to the word of God. And by doing that, I believe that the power of the Holy Spirit is activated in our life to measure that the creator is able now to work something beautiful in the middle of our mess, in the middle of our test. How many of you know and believe tonight that Jesus is touching your life? How many of you not to need, need to believe tonight that Jesus is touching your life? I want you to do this. If you're here tonight and you know that you need to believe, you need to sow some trust. I'm not asking for people that already have. I'm asking for people that have been close to throwing in the towel. But they know tonight that all that's required of them is just to believe, to believe that God's at work in the middle of it, to sow trust in the middle of the storm. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If that's you and you know, I need to sow some trust in the middle of a time when I feel upside down, turned inside out. God's not asking you to sow bravery. He's not asking you to sow strength. You actually won't be able to get that without him and surrendering to him. But I believe this, that God is only asking you tonight to sow what you have. God will never ask you to give something that you don't have. And all he's asking you to sow tonight is belief that he's working in the middle of this situation. All he's asking tonight is sow Belief. And the reason you can sow that, and this might be a little bit confusing, but stay with me. The reason you can sow that is because whether you believe it or not, I just showed you out of the scripture that the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Jesus, is working on the inside of you in this present moment. So I can sow it because I know by faith, I know by what this scripture says, I can get alignment to God working all we have to do in this moment tonight. I believe, church, and I believe that there's breakthrough for many people in the room tonight as they just allow themselves to surrender to the fact that Jesus is near to them, that Jesus is working, that Jesus is releasing let there be light statements into the midst of the darkness that you might be experiencing in your heart and in your life. That this right now might feel like a good Friday, but Sunday's coming. 
This right now might feel like a good Friday. Like that crucifixion of Christ. But I believe that there'll be one day that you'll be able to wear it as a cross around your neck. And how do I know that? I know that because at the beginning of the passage that I read tonight, Paul said this, that the sufferings that we currently face are nothing to be compared to the glory that will be revealed in us and to us. God, when this is all said and done, is going to right every wrong. God is going to wipe away every tear. And when you stand in the middle of the one who is the way, the truth, and the life, when you stand in the middle of his presence, the day when all of us stand before him face to face, I will tell you this. I believe there's some questions that we won't even need to ask because we will have in that moment a full assurance that he really has been the answer all along. His presence, his nearness, his touch has really been the only thing that we need. Scripture's told us tonight that you have the foretaste of that promise. You have the foretaste of that glorified body. You have the foretaste of that face-to-face presence with Jesus. That face-to-face experience when you're with him in glory. And the foretaste that you have of it is the Holy Spirit that's on the inside of you. I ask you now, in the name of Jesus, to tap in to the power of the Holy Spirit on the inside of you. And to do that by believing that he's working in the middle of your pain. If that's you tonight and you know you need to sow some trust in the midst of this storm, I want you to just put a hand on your heart. Father, you see every honest hand on every honest heart tonight, God. And I thank you, Lord, for bringing us into alignment to your word. We choose to believe tonight that whether we feel it and whether we see it, we choose to get into alignment to your word that you're working in the middle of this. That by the nature of Jesus that we're in union with, we love you and we're called according to your purpose. We get in alignment to your word tonight that says you are causing all things to work together for our good. And this material right now that you have to work with God might be raw And we might not have any idea why we're faced with it. And we might not have any idea how you're going to turn anything good out of it. But what we know and believe is that you're able to touch lepers and heal them. You're able to raise the dead. You're able to take a little boy's lunch and touch it and feed multitudes. You let the the hands that are able to heal the blind and heal the deaf are the same hands that are wrapped around our hearts now by the Spirit of God. And we say that this raw material is not too raw for you. This pain is not too impressive to you. We choose to end right now a partnership with being impressed by what the devil's doing. We will no longer live impressed by what the devil's doing, but we live in a place of constantly being overwhelmed by the love and the goodness and the faithfulness of God. The pain is real, but you'll meet us in it. The loss is real, but you'll keep company with us in the middle of it. The storm is real, but you will turn the winds to our favor and you will cause us to dance in the rain. I pray over this house tonight from the front to the back, Lord, an exchange of garments, garments that are heavy 
Father, and of a faint spirit. I pray that those would be lifted and garments of joy would be deposited, would be released from the inside of us that we already possess, that we would put them on as we get into alignment with your word. That there's no area of our life too dark and there's no area of our life too troublesome, too chaotic for you to move in. We say, let there be light in the darkness. We say, let your kingdom come and your will be done. We so trust in you. Not needing to know why and holding on to our pain, but choosing even as we hold on to this pain to be held by you. We allow ourselves to be held by you, God. A God that loves us fiercely and faithfully. And no matter how consistent the pain, we believe it's no match for the faithfulness of your Holy Spirit at work on the inside of us. We give you trust. We give you worship. And we thank you, God, for meeting us where you are, where we are, and allowing us to meet you where you are. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Thank you, Lord. Why don't you stand to your feet if the ministry teams would come. If you have a need in your life that you need some individual time with, you need somebody to connect with you, to lay hands on you, to agree with you in prayer, for any particular need that you might be experiencing, you need to be ministered to through the gifts of the Holy Spirit. These people are here to serve you. We want to encourage you to come and receive that tonight. I do ask that uh, if you have kids, go ahead and let's honor our children's workers. How about we just give a round of applause? Let, let them hear us. All the people that minister to our kids and that watch our kids. Man, that's awesome. Go and get them checked out. Come back in and be ministered to as a family. Father, thank you for these precious people tonight that I get to call family, brothers and sisters. I thank you, Lord, for encouraging us. Father, I pray that anybody experiencing the weakness because of the result of the storms of this life, that tonight they would be edified, that they would have been uplifted. Holy Spirit, I pray that you'd take my feeble attempts to explain your goodness in Jesus, that you would do something with the raw material of my communication tonight, and you would turn it into something that's beautifully desirable and that's able to help somebody that's hurting tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Why don't you give God praise one more time? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. You're so good. You're dismissed. We love you. We'll see you Sunday. Pastor Jacob will be continuing the face-to-face series. You're not going to want to miss it. I'll see you there.